everyone. So I have uh, Mr. Arvind Ganeshan over here, the co-founder and chief commercial officer of EcoSoul Home, one of the fastest growing sustainable D2C brand perhaps in the world. Um, Arvind has had a, quite a long career in the corporate sector, uh, quite a successful one at that. And then suddenly out of the blue when the pandemic hit or just before he decided to leave everything and pursue what is arguably a very risky kind of a path, one of entrepreneurship and second in the D2C uh, space, a consumer goods, especially in sustainability space, seems like a very risky task. So I just wanted to ask a few questions with him and interact to see what his state of mind was at that time and how things have played uh, since then. Um, so Arvind, please, I would love to know your thoughts on how you decide to make this big step of leaving a corporate space and then starting you along with your co-founder Rahul. Yeah, I mean, uh, was a definitely was not an easy decision, and uh, was also a decision which was pretty binary, right? You're either all in or you're not, and that's uh, as you know uh, with entrepreneurship. Uh, but essentially, why we decided to go launch in this space, our conviction came from our time at Wayfair for both Rahul and I, right? I mean. Uh, Wayfair themselves was exploring, were exploring like sustainable furniture and decor. Unfortunately, supply market just wasn't there in that space. Uh, but when you think about the whole sustainability space, uh, it all the whole place started with uh, you know pretty much followed Maslow's hierarchy for the most part. Uh, started with the uh, food and beverage space, right? What you put in your mouth and. Uh, so a lot of the organic uh, USDA certified or plant-based meat companies came in and uh, got some uh, fantastic growth stories and valuations. And, uh, you know, that was the first wave. And then the second wave came with Honest Company and the personal kits segment, which next. Uh, and we believe the third big segment that was going to be the, the wave after these two was going to be the home essential space, right? Uh, people spend a lot of time around their homes, especially with a pandemic hitting. And people were forced to sit back and uh, when they were home and with the pandemic and where they had to use more disposables, they started thinking, uh, how can it be more sustainable with uh, our everyday home needs? And uh, when we went out there and saw the market out there, there were traditional big CPG brands that had been around for 50 years selling pretty much uh, the same stuff and had not been disrupted. They had not even made any steps to go sustainable. And uh, when we saw such a wide open market, we decided, hey, there's an opportunity to go here and capitalize. Uh, the second thing was the early stage brands that did try to go and enter the segment uh, for two reasons uh, didn't succeed, right? One, they were very narrow and niche in their focus. Like, hey, I'm going to be just a toilet paper company. Uh, like, from the very get-go, EcoSoul's mission was to be multi-category, multi-aisle in our approach. Uh, truly omni-channel, both straddling retail and uh, the the physical on the, and the online space, uh, both hand in hand, and uh, playing off of uh, the customer journeys across those two spaces. So that's number one. Number two was pricing, right? Uh, people, while they wanted to go more sustainable home essentials, people didn't want to pay. Uh, the premiums of 80 to 120% over the traditional mainstream alternatives that the other eco brands are offering. And this is where EcoSoul, with our fully vertically integrated supply chain, we're able to fundamentally change this value proposition and say, hey, you know, we can bring these very same products within that 10 to 25% uh, 
of mainstream plastic or paper goods. And uh, that's kind of where we got the conviction to go start. And, uh, you know, we're, we're fortunate now uh, uh, to have seen some great growth and also to be working with Xena, uh, who's played a very uh, integral part in our growth story on the D2C side. What were some of the earliest challenges when you began, when you and Rahul got together, you were building your ideas and obviously you did a lot of research. What were some of the initial challenges that you faced in the in the early phases? Uh, yeah, man, uh, great question, right? I'd say on the first thing was the operationally getting set up, right? Uh, we were in a D2C business where uh, uh, there was physical inventory involved in the midst of COVID. How do we get manufacturing up and running? And then what is the right operating model, right? We could have taken some uh, easier choices per se, right? Uh, just going and uh, sourcing and white labeling stuff. But we chose to go build a vertically integrated manufacturing model because we know that is fundamentally what was going to solve the pricing issue uh, for our customers. So we did that very differently. It took us almost uh, six to seven months to really even stand up uh, the supply chain for the very first wave of our products, right? And uh, so uh, that was one of the big things uh, where we had to make a tough choice to do it the right way, even if it took longer. Uh, and we think that fundamentally built uh, the ethos of how the company operates going forward and help build our uh, fundamental competitive advantage, right? That's one challenge that we faced. And to do that in the midst of COVID when factories were shut down to uh, solicit and convince the right uh, contract manufacturing set was definitely a challenge. I mean, as we succeed, of course, a lot of manufacturers want to come work with us. But in those early days, to be able to uh, get even the supply chain going was probably one of our biggest challenges. Uh, the second thing was uh, the financing aspect of it, right? Early on, we bootstrapped the company and uh, essentially only inventory financed, right? So we didn't go and down the model of raising uh, venture capital right at the very get-go. So we wanted to prove product market fit, which means we had to be very prudent in terms of understanding the market and understanding what are the headway skews that we wanted to launch with and where uh, the market uh, was going and uh, was going to exist like probably 12, 18 months uh, from the time we started. So we had to make some very good uh, guesses because that was going to prove are zero one, right, in terms of product market fit. So making those uh, right decisions was challenging. And uh, and that's where, like, I think we partnered uh, with Zena as well in terms of uh, really doing a very detailed analysis of both the online market as well as uh, IRI and Nielsen to figure out what that offline market looked like and where we could straddle both the spaces in a good way. So I'd say that's the second big challenge from commercial perspective is really picking the right initial product set to launch the brand with, knowing that we're going to have a multi-category, multi-assortment one day uh, in a retail space. I would say the third biggest challenge, man, uh, as an entrepreneur is going all in, right? I mean, a lot of a lot of early D2C brands uh, and people who launch, they're like, oh, let me do this on the side, uh, right? And get it to scale to a certain degree before I give up my corporate job. And we felt that that approach didn't work, right, for Ecosol. You you had to be all in because, uh, and it meant uh, giving up on a very lucrative uh, corporate uh, job to come and uh, do this day to day and uh, keep your motivation up and going in the midst of a pandemic where you're working remotely. So I think uh, 
that uh, full all-in commitment was uh, critical for us, uh, for both Rahul and me, right? When we when we were doing EcoSoul, it was just EcoSoul. And, uh, and we did that for 14 months without any uh, salary, right? Uh, so that's uh, something uh, we felt was uh, critical in shaping the direction of the company and our commitment to, to really building the brand. Yep. Uh, I still remember, I think the first time we met was in a, in a, pitching event for one of the angel groups we both of us were pitching we were on the same side of the table and we saw each other's pitches and i think that's how we got connected i still remember your pitch at that time uh, i think you had a virtual screen your obviously the ppt right now is far better than what it was your branding was very rudimentary at that time obviously you're just starting out and i still remember your projections it was a hockey stick at that it was quite a hockey stick from somebody from the outside i felt that was very aggressive that was unachievable from uh you know from the point of view of being an early brand but since we have known each other for uh, for quite a while i know you far far expected uh, out paced uh, exceeded expectations from what those uh, calculations forecasts were at that time do you think like so you could you would pinpoint some of the reasons why that would have happened how you were able to succeed uh, break through all those shatter those projections at that point and like what were some of the reasons that uh, that could have happened right i mean uh, great questions man uh, so so i would say the first uh, thing that was uh, truly we decided we were going to be very omni-channel from day one. We knew uh, in the new world, uh, you needed to have online distribution be really good at online. There's no question, right? That's fundamental for D2C, but also you need to straddle that offline space where the customer could discover your brand, right? In a retail store or online and vice versa, right? And traverse those journeys very seamlessly. Uh, I believe that that, Really, now that uh, see, seeing uh, the way uh, the brand has grown, our uh, all of our projections, we honestly believe that uh, with having distribution close to 4,500, 5,000 stores now in the US and having a, a pretty well-established presence on Amazon, we do see that overall our cost of customer acquisition was really brought down uh, operating in a truly omni-channel way, right? Because... Uh, just compared to other D2C brands, right? That's number one. Uh, the number two, I would say, of course, is again, the synergies that they bring to each other. So each one feeds off the other uh, channel and helps drive uh, that additional incremental revenue, right? Which uh, which is also very good. But I think the third thing was also like, not every D2C brand uh, can scale in a similar way, right? For example, uh, Every DTC brand has to understand who their customers are and where do they want to meet these customers, right? Uh, and what methodologies when it comes to, uh, gr to growth actually works for their specific category and segment. In our case, we realized very quickly uh, that uh, Amazon and Walmart and the marketplaces were the way to go along with driving retail distribution. That was the first step. Uh, so we were very, uh, we, and we want to be laser focused in terms of how we did those marketplaces. So early on when we, uh, there were so many agencies that tried to pitch to us about PPC expertise. And when Zena came and talked to us, uh, one of the things was like, that was impressed was like, hey, the AI powered engine, right? Hey, the ability to optimize bids on hourly, on a 
evade basis on an almost real time basis uh, really gives us an edge, right, in terms of performance uh, in marketplaces. We felt that that drove a lot more sales for us in our category than, let's say, going and spending thousands of dollars on meta advertising, right, that uh, was probably very popular three or four years ago. We knew that was not the path for us. And so we uh, were a little bit more prudent when it came to like uh, traditional ad channels like Google, Meta, and so on. The second thing was uh, really uh, we felt that uh, as we were growing and scaling our D2C brand, uh, the whole uh, aspect around uh, influencers, affiliates, and truly driving user-generated content uh, and really getting the branding up and running was another thing that's very critical in our space, right? How do you distinguish yourself amongst a sea of brands online, right? Uh, was uh, something, and or even in retail shelves, right? How do, does your product stand out uh, compared to other products? So those are two areas that I think we were very laser focused on. We put a lot of effort on early on. And in fact, when you said like our, our original packaging was rudimentary, and we spent a lot of effort uh, post that to really revamp uh, uh, and make sure that we got the message across to the customer. And that helped uh, really Philip and uh, a lot of our projections, of course, uh, you know, uh, a team, it's always a team effort. It's not the founders, it's uh, the vendor partners, it's the uh, people that you work with uh, who come along that journey. And uh, so I've been very fortunate EcoSort, to have a great team, uh, both internally as well as externally with partners like Zena. Leading up to like, what has your experience been working uh, with uh, Zena? It's been fantastic, right? I mean, uh, what I find very fascinating is... Uh, uh, especially, uh, I will say, uh, once you pass that first 90 days of a product's uh, launch, I think the first 90 days is always a little bit of uh, a learning, right, for any ML AI algorithm. But once we've gotten past the first 90 days, I've seen that Xena's algorithms tend to do really well, right? Uh, really see, uh, you understand the category, learn what has happened in the first nine days, understand what hypotheses work, what don't work, and then uh, really continue to optimize uh, as uh, the landscape changes, right, around CPCs, around keywords. Uh, and so I think that from a performance perspective, really having that level of rigor uh, has been great with Zena, right, and uh, the level of reporting, right? The second thing is uh, that I find about Zena's great partners, uh, you guys are not just ad guys, right? You understand that ads will only work as good as uh, the content around it is. So always pushing our team uh, to produce better content, to go there and improve the quality of our primary images, our A-plus content, uh, our content when it comes uh, to videos, right? Our content when it comes to social media, uh, our content when it comes uh, to the user-generated aspect with influencers and affiliates. Uh, and all of this ultimately does drive more and more and more uh, organic uh, click-through, right? We know the cost per clicks on Amazon are, are not getting any cheaper, right? So, so, so helping really drive that organic base of traffic has been something that's been great. Zena has been great in terms of helping us push that envelope and uh, be a good partner, talk partner there. Yeah, very kind of you, Arvin. And uh, finally, what's next for you? What's next for EcoSoul? Uh, what, what have, where have you set your next sights onto? 
So I think uh, with EcoSoul, as you know, we have now uh, come and done very well in the tabletop space, right? The tableware space, uh, as well as the compost bag segment, we've done quite well. Uh, but we're now also trying to see how we can expand uh, just this uh, portfolio within tabletop. Now we're getting into like uh, clamshells and food storage, right? Uh, same when we take our bags, we're expanding into like compostable Ziplocs. Uh, so like we're, the first uh, first part of our innovation has been like just, hey, where are existing spaces we've been able to capture, share, right? And how can we incrementally expand? The second thing is we've taken some uh, rather big bolts in, uh, bets in categories outside, right? So as you know, over the last several months, we've launched our entire bamboo line of paper products that span anywhere from like toilet paper uh, to kitchen towels, uh, to cleaning wipes, to facial tissues uh, and so on. And uh, so really bringing that whole, hey, when I think about my home and I think eco-friendly, what are some of those uh, true use cases, right? And uh, pushing the envelope there. And then uh, very forward-looking in terms of vision for our product category, we're uh, going to be very soon launching like uh, compostable diapers and uh, feminine hygiene products like sanitary pads and panty liners. Uh, and we think there's a massive market out there to uh, be disrupted uh, where uh, people can make not only a very good, quality choice for themselves, uh, their kids, uh, but also, uh, you know, for uh, the environment. So uh, some very exciting innovation coming up uh, the line. And uh, especially as we think about uh, the fem care, baby care and home care uh, segments. Uh, and so that's uh, from a category standpoint, in terms of just uh, milestones, uh, hey, uh, for us, uh, it's always about expansion, right? From a commercial standpoint. So uh, EcoSoul uh, is, we started off largely as a, a U.S. brand. Uh, we're now expanding uh, beyond U.S. Uh, we've already expanded to Canada and India, right, with our uh, D2C presence. And uh, we're going to launch a new marketplaces such as U.K. Uh, and Germany uh, very soon in terms of, uh, our, uh, of our market expansion. But also you will see a lot of uh, expansion in the U.S. and retail stores, right? We're going to launch in uh, bigger box retail stores. Some exciting uh, announcement will come out in the news uh, in the coming uh, months in terms of the bigger uh, retail national chains that we'll uh, start to see ecosystem products. Uh, and so uh, both uh, the retail as well as the D2C expansion uh, uh, can, will continue. Uh, so like... Uh, so hopefully we're able to double uh, this uh, book of uh, business that we are at by the end of the year and then again, double it uh, by the end of next year. And I'm pretty sure by the time both of us turn 80, I think we'll have a solid content to write a case study or even a book about how things started and how we grew during. This is arguably like a COVID company, like both of us, we are a COVID organization. It's all right. mostly virtual. Um international to begin with it's it's just right. a for you especially when the way you manage logistics operational issues that were plaguing every single brand at that time and still continues to you have been able to your organization has been able to do a very good job in managing i think that's that's just a master class yeah man it's been tough right i mean uh we fundamentally built the supply chain the right way i said right early on during covid there were shortcuts we could have taken in terms of building our supply chain a lot of brands did that, right? And a lot of early stage eco brands still continue to do that. And uh, 
And ultimately, man, in the D2C, in the consumer product space, uh, you have to understand that one, if you want to scale beyond a point, uh, there's got to be a certain degree of vertical integration, right, from the source material through the custom, right? If you don't own those journey points or have a very close contact point uh, with those journey points, you do lose a lot of the big competitive edge uh, that you have in the marketplace. And that's something that we did early on. I mean, even though it took us six, seven months to ship our very first product, which you may say, oh my God, you guys took seven months uh, for the time you, what were you guys thinking? But uh, we felt that that was the right thing to do, right? To get the right certifications, to get the right manufacturer set, to do it the right way. Uh, and uh, we're now seeing uh, that that uh, blueprint has continued to uh, permeate across the organization. Of course, uh, the other thing is, uh, is like from a supply chain perspective, the other thing I will call out is uh, we are not reliant on China, right? China is uh, <laughs> a decent portion of our supply chain, uh, but we're not reliant on it, right? Mm-hmm. For almost every major uh, material category, uh, we don't do more than 50% of, we do less than, we try to keep less than 50% of our sourcing to China. So which means we have very well-established source geographies like India, uh, Vietnam, and Thailand. Right to to serve us, and we think that that ultimately will uh, the whole China plus one strategy and diversification in the manufacturing world is becoming real. That thesis is uh, backed by a lot of leading venture capital firms, a lot of leading private equity firms, and that will continue to be the case uh, as we evolve uh, into the world with new geopolitical uh, situations. So always having a very diversified supply chain also helps us in terms of being able to keep our promises to our customers, to our D2C partners. We're doing a fantastic job. I mean, if we ran out of inventory, what would you sell, right? Uh, from a perspective. So uh, that's been uh, that's been a very critical focus for us from a supply chain standpoint. And finally, what would be your advice for other entrepreneurs who have or are planning to enter the CPG space, uh, product space, even sustainability space? Like, What would your advice be for them? I would say three things, man. Number one, uh, like when you decide to enter a space, always think big, right? Uh, think really big. And if you, if you, if you can't see a world where uh, like you can go and disrupt a really large problem, it's probably not worth the effort. So, or you have to think harder, right? I think that's one thing that I would say, like, always make sure that you are going after a very large total addressable market, right? Uh, or a very large undisrupted market space. And uh, to be honest, in the sustainability realm, there are a ton of such spaces that are still up for grabs, right? Uh, so I would say that's number one. Uh, number two, as an entrepreneur, uh, as a CPG entrepreneur uh, in the consumer space, man, it's, it's a question of do things the right way, right? A lot of people will say, hey, let's go build a brand. But understand what truly, it may work for some people, right? Uh, but it may not also work for some people. So really understand what your company has set out to do. Our mission was to democratize the market for eco-friendly essentials. So for us, it was most important to get uh, that price uh, value paradigm right and get it right for our customers. Building the brand was step two. Mm -hmm. Building the supply chain, the back end was step one for us. Uh, 
uh, may not be the case for every brand but uh, truly understand like don't spend a lot of dollars on brand building and uh, uh, don't go and uh, first of all hire a cmo uh, and so on i mean we, we did make some mistakes but uh, look don't go and spend a ton of dollars till you really understand what your companies ought to do and you've built a back end uh, that's ready to go serve that market right at least that applied to us that's a third thing uh, hey if you're thinking of entering a space hey jump with both your feet in <laughs> uh, i don't see a world where uh, like you can go very far uh, when you're not fully committed to your uh, to your brand or to your product to your product right so i think uh, that is something that i would uh, say is super important and then uh, the fourth thing is man build a company that you want to build right uh like a lot of investors and a lot of other people uh, will tell you uh, will give you a lot of great pieces of advice some of it will be valid and relevant to you some of it won't apply to you so being able to cut through the noise and building the company that you truly want to build is the right thing uh, is important right so for example uh, choices that you make around like how you market right Uh, whether you go heavy on marketplaces or whether you go heavy on your own d2c website uh, these are choices that fundamentally you have to make very early in your journey and stick by them and there's no right or wrong answer but uh, understand that every category every brand has its own path so do what is right for you uh, not what uh, seems uh, sexy right mm-hmm. uh, or what uh, a lot of people uh, don't do what the buzz tells you to do All right great advice uh, on that note thank you so much Arvind for your time um and again very grateful to have you to have known you and to have seen you uh, and your company grow uh, and of course there are, we have miles and miles to go ahead as well <laughs> thanks thanks so much